my name is Deanna. I'm a compulsive overeater. I am a hardcore food addict, uh, black belt binger. Um, hi. And a hundred pounder. And uh, it says that I can stand, so everyone can see in here, so why not? Um, <laughs> I'm a ham, and I like ham. Um, <laughs> honey baked, preferably. Or just leave the ham and give me the honey. I like sugar. <laughs> so I brought pictures for, uh, I hate to call them my before pictures, because there's no after. This is an ongoing process of recovery. I could be back to these pictures, you know, by the time I drive home. There's about 50 donut shops between here and my home, so that could be the case. So I'll pass those around. So I guess I will just sort of uh, begin at the beginning, and when I say that, I mean uh, the beginning of when I walked into the rooms, um, because before that, uh, life is was a little bit dark. Life had gotten a little bit dark. It was almost like a dream where you have bits and pieces of things that are real in your life, but the rest wasn't really flushed out. Um, I get outside help, and I was directed to come to OA by my therapist um, about, about four years ago. I went into therapy um, because I was depressed and obese. And uh, I really put the, the morbid in morbid obesity. Um, and I remember going into therapy and sitting on the couch, and for months and months, all I could say to my therapist was, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat. I mean, you could have just left a tape recorder with that playing on the couch and saved me, you know, the 50 minutes. Because um, that's all I did. That's all I could talk about. That was kind of my big shadow over the rest of my life for the things that I didn't want to discuss. And somewhere along the line, I was finally able to, to mutter out, I feel black. And my therapist was like, well, you are black. And I'm like, no, on the inside, I feel black. <laughs> I feel black inside. And I thought um, that my destiny was to um, die fat. And I hate using that word, but that's the phrase that I used. Um, die fat and burn in hell for all eternity. Um, because one of the biggest issues under um, the weight was a struggle with spirituality and religion. So it is not at all ironic, or it is ironic actually, that I end up in a spiritual program of recovery. So my therapist said, um, you can, we can either discuss putting, on you on, putting you on antidepressants, or you can go to this thing called OA. And uh, my mom actually wanted me to get lap band surgery, and I was terrified of that. I was terrified I'd never had any kind of surgery other than, like, a little bit of dental stuff. And um, I just didn't, I didn't want that. I didn't want that to be how, how I came to a resolution for my weight problems. I struggled with weight my entire life. I started gaining weight probably around the age of six or seven, and my mom put me in ballet to, you know, kind of trim me up a little bit. Um, that wasn't working. It wasn't active enough, you know, to burn enough calories for all the food I was sneaking. So uh, she then put me in soccer, and because I was so heavy, I still didn't get a lot of movement because they just put me in the rear as a fullback and I just sat in the grass like Ferdinand the Bull from the children's book. <laughs> and I just like picked flowers and made bracelets. 
and just like counted the minutes till halftime when I could get oranges and cookies. That was so soccer was was less than productive. At uh, nine, um, my mom took me to Weight Watchers. Probably the youngest ever Weight Watchers member, and I watched my weight. I watched to go up, <laughs> watched to go down a little bit, and that was kind of my go-to for a long part of my life to like circle back to that particular um, program. I was like the Lindsay Lohan of Weight Watchers. That was like my rehab. <laughs> like when things got really bad, you know, I would go back there, and in between that, there was a lot of slim fast, slim fast, slim slow, slim not. Um, every diet in between and I just continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and I don't think it's healthy for a child to know how much they weigh at every phase of their life. Um, I was like 135 by the time I was 9 years old. I hit 200 pounds at 6th grade. Um, I hit 220 by 8th grade. Uh, the day I graduated high school I was 285 and um, I topped out at 301 when I was 20 years old. Um, and that one, that's when I was like, no, no, wait, this is too big. This is too big. This has to stop. So I went on Atkins and lost like 40 pounds in six weeks and got very, very sick um, and stopped that. And that's how it went. I just went up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. Um, so I finally went away to college in New York, and things got better uh, for a little while. I was doing my craft. I have a theater degree, so I was acting and writing and feeling very creatively fulfilled. So the weight started coming off. I was able to just, you know, not have to go to the food as much. Um, I was, so I was eating really, really healthy. And uh, then I graduated college. I graduated the spring after 9-11. There were not very many jobs available in New York City um, shortly after 9-11. The economy was really, really rough. Uh, so I ended up coming back home to L.A., and uh, that's when, you know, the eating disorder came in just full, full-blown hard. I mean, I'd always overeaten. I'd always snuck food. I'd always taken more than my fair share at the parties. Um, but that's when it really, really hit hard, and I think it's because that's when the depression kicked in really hard and I remember waking up and uh, binging I'd eat whatever half gallon of ice cream whole box of Cheerios 18 granola bars my mom would buy the little hundred calorie packs of different things I just called them thousand calorie packs because <laughs> I would just eat 10 it was just like more work you know so I would just have a, a big pile of a bunch of little bags instead of like one empty big bag so that didn't save me any problems um, so I did that, and then I would just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat, and I gained probably 20 or 30 pounds back in a month, in the first month home after I had lost like 40 in college. And uh, I would just eat, and then I would go into my room, and I would cry myself to sleep on the floor, and I would not let myself sleep in my bed because I did not feel worth sleeping in a bed. Um, so that's, that's what happened. So fast forward like 10 years, I got stuck in a whole bunch of jobs that I absolutely hated. I was still obese. I was still not talking about my spiritual issues. I had zero self-worth left, um, just zero. I wasn't pursuing my dreams. I wanted to act, um, and I wasn't doing that. I wanted to write, and I wasn't doing that. I was just stuck in tremendous fear and shame. Um, I applied to grad school. I applied to um, the new master's department for where I went to undergrad, and they only took nine playwrights, 50-some-odd actors, and maybe 15 directors, and I was accepted as writer. 
Um, that's my stronger, I'm a stronger writer than I am an actor, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> so, so I got in on that and I could not go, you know, I could not make myself go, partly because the fear was so deep around the spirituality stuff that I was afraid to make a move if I didn't have like the approval of the God that I grew up with. Uh, that I couldn't reconcile with. And there was like, and it's a crap ton of money. But mostly it was the fear. So I just stayed in L.A., uh, lost jobs, my car died, lost a room. I had every reason to go ahead and go to grad school, but I couldn't because of the fear. So I ended up in, in, uh, in OA at the direction of my therapist, and I read the steps online, and I was like, I can't do that. I don't want anything with the word God in it. I'm not an emotional eater. I'm just not, even though I'm morbidly obese. I mean, I just, you know, I just haven't tried hard enough. Um, so, yeah, so I walked in the rooms about four years ago. I got a sponsor at my second meeting. That was, like, the, the first thing I did other than show up because I knew if I didn't attach to someone, I would run screaming back into the wilderness and, like, all would be lost. And she, my sponsor, looked nothing like me. Um, she wasn't a 100-pounder. You, you wouldn't think we had anything in common, um, and you would have thought that I would look for somebody that looked like me. But she sounded calm and sane, calm and sane. She sounded like she had her stuff together. So that's how I um, picked her. And the irony is she's a runner. I have always hated running. I think it's disgusting. <laughs> you know, I, I always said I won't run unless there's an ice cream truck in front of me or a gunman behind me. Um, and I ran my first half marathon on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, thanks. I ran, I crawled, I moseyed, I sobbed, you know, it was, it was rough, um, but I did it, and I'm doing another one on my natal birthday in November, God knows why, because I am insane, um, so that's the irony that now I run with her, which is really, really funny, um, and that we're about the same size now, we look, we look, this, now we do look similar on the outside, um, or more similar, still different race, different age, whatever, but... Uh, that's one of the things that the rooms has taught me that outside differences are absolutely zill. We're all here for the same reason. And the number one thing program has taught me is how to play nice, you know, how to play nice, how to get along in the world, how to try to find peace with the God of my own understanding, which I will say is a work in progress. Uh, sometimes I don't believe in God at all. Some days I really believe in God. Some days I don't know what that is or what that looks like. Um, I had an image of God recently as a river because I get all wound up about things. I get really scared. I panic if I can't fix everything. So I, I got this image of a river, and it's like if I just stand next to the river, eventually something will float by on the river that will solve the problem, right? So if I'm like, I need to build a fire. Oh, my God, i got to find some water. i got to build a fire. Ah! If I just, like, stand next to the river, guess what? Maybe some driftwood will flow by. Maybe some matches, right? You know, if I need food for camping by this river, if I freak out, you know, if I stop freaking out, maybe, like, a sandwich will float down the river. <laughs> like, but not if I try to fix the world. So even though I don't know uh, what I think I need to know about God, I definitely know that I'm not God. I definitely know that. No matter what side of the fence I'm in, spiritually, religiously, on a given day, I am not God. Um, my life has changed radically since program. They say come for the vanity, stay for the sanity. Um, my life, the, the percentage of my life that is about my weight 
it's gotten smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. It was like 100% of my life before, maybe 95% and the other 5% was all the things I didn't want to talk about. Now it's more like 10 to 15% of my life. Um, I'm about half of my top weight now. I'm, I'm maintaining 95 pounds uh, released in program and 152-ish uh, uh, released from my body from my top weight and I, I don't want to ever like talk too much about numbers because I know I get into compare and despair and I'll hear how somebody much how much someone weighs in the rooms so I'm like oh, that means I still need to lose 10 pounds and I totally blank out on the fact that that person is a different age height you know gender genetic makeup whatever but you know one of my defects that pops up sometimes is comparing despair so I'm careful about that so is that five minutes yeah um, you know, but it is relevant, you know, to the newcomer that, that comes in because I was shackled by my weight. I was a prisoner to my weight, and I feel like I've been let out on parole from that. And sometimes when I'm running, I think, like, who let the beast out of the cage? Like, you know, my mom said she wanted me to get surgery, weight loss surgery, because she said, I'm tired of seeing you not live your life. And I devour life now. I binge on life. I'm kind of addicted to busyness. So when I talk about the dreams that I had let go before I came into program, um, I, I did get back into the acting. I started taking improv classes. Um, I started doing stand-up comedy, which was uh, a dream of mine. Um, I started dating, which I've never done, uh, which I'd never really done prior to program except for one like really messed up situation with an Australian guy on another continent. It was all like, whatever, it's in the act, you know, come see me if you want the whole story. Um, you know, and, and that's not like, it's not like I'm hugely successful at that. I always joke that, you know, the only thing I've learned from dating so far is how to hold a fart for two hours. <laughs> and sometimes even that doesn't guarantee a second date. So, you know, but beyond that, the recovery is... It's not even a priority. Now I have the option today. Now it's not even a priority, right? I got a bunch of program phone calls this week, and I um, and I got calls from some of the guys that I may go on dates with the next couple weeks. And I was like, well, I'll call them back when I have time. I need to call so and so fellow back. I need to call that person back. I need to make sure I emailed my food into my sponsor. You know, that that's the priority. Um, there was a lot behind the curtain of my eating disorder and a lot that has cropped up while I've been dealing with my eating disorder that has led me to have to go into um, another set of rooms, another fellowship. And that destroyed me for about a month. That really shook me. My food got really messy. My head got really messy. And yet I'm coming back even stronger. And all I've done is pour even more into my recovery, make more phone calls, help more people. I always say there's two kinds of phone calls, the help me, help me, help me, and can I help you? And given my stress level, I've been making so much more of the can I help you phone calls. I took on a new sponsee, so I, I now sponsor four people. Um, I'm sponsored. I have a little over two years of abstinence. My bottom line is no binging. Um, I love sugar. I love fried foods. I love sweets. But I can binge on a carrot or a cupcake. I damn sure would prefer the cupcake. But if all you leave me is the carrots, I will annihilate those like Bugs Bunny as well. So that's my bottom line, just no binging. Um, and, you know, the old Deanna was an isolator. The old Deanna, um, again, didn't know how to play nice. And in the midst of this stress of having to pick up another program, um, my sister sent me a text message at work the other day, towards the end of the day, and she said, 
you know, me and, you know, our other sister are um, at the Culver Hotel. We're having drinks. Come meet us. We want to see you. And I was so angry because I was trying to deal with the stress of all the stuff in my life. And I sent them a text message back. I paused. I got the pause. I have this pause now that's part of my higher power, that's my intuition, that stops me from saying hurtful things or making bad decisions most of the time, whether it be with, with food, with money, with men, with work, with whatever. And I paused and, and I honestly texted back, I'm really angry and I'm having a rough day. I don't think I would be good company to be around. I just want to be alone. But because you're my sister and you're asking, I will come. I'm letting you know that I won't be having food or drinks and that I need to leave at 7.30. The last thing I need when I'm really upset is to have um, alcohol and happy hour food, right? And I have plenty plenty of healthy food to have at home for dinner. So I sent the angry text message, which was the best I could do in the moment. And um, then I texted a fellow immediately and said, I'm going to meet my sisters. I'm committing to you, you know, that I'm not going to eat there. I have a healthy dinner waiting for me at home. And then I'm going to yoga afterwards, right? Never in a million years would I, like, thought that that would be a solution to anything to be like, you know, I'm going to go to yoga, right, you know? Um, So that's insane recovery. Even if I didn't say the nicest thing to my sister in the nicest way, I figured I'll go meet them. I'll compromise. I won't isolate, even though I want to. And, you know, after I see them, I can go right back to my pity party if I want, you know. And uh, because they don't want to go to that because I'm registered at Bed Bath & Beyond My Bitchin'. And no one wants to, like, be involved in my drama. And most importantly, I can't take it out on my sisters that I'm having a rough time, that I'm a 35-year-old woman that doesn't know how to be a mature adult because I was so busy trying to lose weight and and being in self-pity for like 25 to 30 years of my life. It's not their fault, you know, it took me a minute to remember that. So I went with my sisters, you know, I apologized for being not the the most cheerful person, was that the timer? Okay, I'll wrap it up. Um, and, And I followed through with the plan and I bookended with the fellow, you know, so that's my time. I hope anybody got some out of that. It just flew by because uh, I just love to be the center of attention. I can talk forever. So, um, so thank you for letting me share. This is the time for questions. Um, there is no sharing at this meeting. Womp womp. If you. <laughs> I always get disappointed when I don't know that going into a meeting. Um, If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you do not need to identify yourself. Um, Let's see. Please remember if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. All right. So do you have questions? Oh, great question. She wanted to know how has my relationship with my family changed? How has it uh, evolved um, since the program, basically? Um, Yeah, I felt like the odd girl out. I have two sisters, one older, one younger. They're both gorgeous. They're both um, normies. And a little brother who actually has to try to gain weight. Uh, He's very skinny, so I got the short end of that uh, genetic breadstick. Um, 
I I'm still working on that relationship. I still get very scared around my family because they know me a certain way, and I'm used to to being a certain way around them. Um, I think my identity was so much tied up in the weight. I, I lived in so much self-pity and had such a bad attitude about it. I had a hard time getting along with my siblings. Um, I have a hard time speaking up for myself still around family sometimes. I'm learning in program that um, discretion is the order of the day many times. I have to be careful with what I share with them to protect my growth and my recovery. And um, being in the rooms, I feel like it's a lot like being in captivity. You know, it's a safe zone where you're not judged, where we just walk in and leave our differences at the door, and it's just very loving and welcoming, and, you know, we can, like, reserve our opinions on things and keep it to ourselves. Family does not hold that, right? So um, when I'm with them, I'm not in captivity. I'm not in the wilds of my family who, like, some of them teeter on the border of certain addictions. So I'm still learning, and that's actually one of my goals right now in program is to merge how to be my authentic self around them, the same person that I am in the rooms and in the rest of the world. Okay, uh, he wanted to know about my relationship with my higher power before program and now. Um, I was raised in a certain faith tradition. Um, I very much struggled with that, and I didn't talk about it with my family for years and years and years and years, and it just festered. And I say that maybe 60 pounds of my excess weight was from, like, not talking about that. And I remember when I finally did share with my mother that I struggled, um, her response was she went in front of our church the next week and told them that Satan was attacking her family uh, because I had doubts about my faith. So um, programs really given me the freedom to explore that. So my higher power changes a lot. Um, sometimes it is the traditional God. Sometimes it's the God of my uh, childhood faith. Sometimes it is the river. Sometimes it's a chair because you can just like totally sit back in a chair and relax and let go and it supports you. Um, I had another higher power that came to me this week. I call him Big Jesus. Uh, because he's like a six foot seven version of like the pictures you see of Jesus, uh, but it, like super buff, like Joe Manganiello and Magic Mike, and he just gives me like this big enveloping hug. And I'm single, so anything that can cover me in a big giant hug is nice. Um, sometimes I say my higher power is the H and the P in the word hope, meaning it's whatever comes between uh, the O and the E, the overeating. Um, so that's one of the things that came to me as well. I do pray every morning. I say the seventh step prayer lately. I say the third step prayer. I say the serenity prayer. And I kind of try to suspend my skepticism and my disbelief about a supernatural higher power and what that means. And I try not to have all the answers. And again, it just comes back to all I know is that I'm not God. You know, I freak out. I try to control everybody. I try to run the universe. And trying to do everything is like trying to pick up every grain of sand on the ocean. And I'm a freaking grain of sand on the ocean. So it's just not possible. So I hope that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Well, back. So how do you hold in your fart for two hours? So could you talk about a, a recent time that you've experienced that really big fear because you come from a fear-based place? And how do you do to get out of Oh, great question. He said uh, a, uh, a time recently where I was coming from a fear-based um, place, and how did I get out of it? 
Great question. Um, so, as I mentioned, I have had to step into another set of rooms for stuff that came up. Um, and the, sh the terror over that has been like mind-blowing when I realized how bad this other problem was that I was in denial about for so long. And what did I do that I learned in these rooms? I asked for help. I took down um, numbers from that fellowship. Uh, I made phone calls like crazy. Um, I uh, did whatever they have instructed me to do so far. I listened. And I'm on step seven right now, and that's all about humility for me. So my humbleness, which I did not have walking in the rooms, has allowed me to ask for as much help as I need. And, um, you know, I'm powerless, and I do believe that things can restore me to sanity in all areas of life, that there are solutions like the stuff floating down the river with my image of my higher power. So, yeah, I just ask for as my, I have no shame anymore about asking for help because people have experience that I don't have, and they've come through to the other side. So, that's it. Thank you very, very, very much. Um, could you talk a little bit about... Um, Absolutely. She uh, asked uh, about self-esteem and worthiness and what has that looked like for me. When I walked into the rooms, my self-worth was down to literally almost nothing. I mean, I felt like the lowest of the low. I, I, when you spend your whole life morbidly obese and what, what culture and society says about, you know, that particular characteristic, which is ridiculous because, you know, that's just the outside. I, my boss doesn't care what size I am. They care if I show up and do a good job. My family doesn't care what size I am. They care if I'm loving and kind, as do my friends. But my self-worth was, was beaten to the ground. And um, I used to say when I came into program, I wasn't suicidal, but I was living kind of a walking death. I was, like, ready to sit on the sidelines until this time passed. And I used to say, you know, if they, if they said Earth was too crowded and we want volunteers to leave and go live on the moon, I would have raised my hand and given up my spot. And thanks to the program, I'm fighting for my spot on this planet. And that is very much tied to hope. I've gotten, my hope has exploded since I walked in the room. I had just enough hope to not give up, to take direction from um, my therapist and give, and give myself one more shot. So my self-worth is fully restored. My self-esteem fluctuates. Sometimes it's too high, I must say. Um, I, get, I get a lot more attention from guys now, and I went through this weird phase where it was, like, weird to take in, and now I just accept it. Like, if they come up to me and they say, hello, you're beautiful, I'm like, yes, and the sky is blue. Um, <laughs> so maybe it's a little off, but then there are other days where I still feel like garbage, and the days that I feel like garbage, it's not about how I look. It's how I treated somebody, you know, if I wronged somebody, if I didn't do a good job at work. That's where my self-esteem is mostly tied these days, not to my body anymore. So, yeah. Two-part question. First part is, how do you talk about programs if someone has to see them? What happens? How much do you talk about programs openly? And then for those who have known you going up and down and up and down, do they have a sort of skepticism? Ah, uh, good question. Yeah, great question. Um, so he asked, uh, uh, do I talk about program or how do I talk about program? And if people that have seen my, my struggle with the weight have skepticism about me gaining it back. 
Well, I'll start with the second part of that question. It's nobody else's damn business, you know, if I go up and down on the scale. And all that would do is add stress for me to worry about their expectations about my body. My body is not their business because people will be critical no matter what. Um, I have friends and family that say, you've gotten too skinny. Um, I have friends and family that are smaller than me and, don't, and wouldn't be upset if I lost more weight. Um, I have friends and family that if I don't eat the cake at a party, they're like, oh, you're too strict. But if I do eat the cake, they're like, you don't want to gain that weight back. Um, yeah. It's darned if you do, darned if you don't. Uh, I can tell you that they're remarkably proud of me, especially my parents. They just were tired of seeing me suffer. Um, so it's not their skepticism or their concerns, not my business, because I went my whole life with people giving me, like, Weight Watchers toolkits as Christmas presents, you know, and cans of Slim Fast for my birthday and, um, you know, trying to support that. Um, I remember being on the, on the Atkins diet and going to Costco with my mom, and she's like, well, whatever you want in the cart, because they were just hoping that it would work. And I remember coming home from school and snacking on a log of salami because it has no carbs. And my mom's like, are you eating the log of salami from the Christmas basket that so-and-so sent us? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, is that right? And I was like, well, it's on my diet. And she's like, proceed. Um, <laughs> so the first part of the question, do I share about program you know there's a woman at my job that had lap band and she has since regained all the weight and she is suffering and I want to drag her by her hair into the rooms but it is not my business she knows that these rooms exist so when people ask me you know about the weight I give them the short answer or the long answer depending on how serious they are the short answer if they if they just want to lose some vanity pounds they're like oh you lost all this weight how'd you do it I'm like well I take good care of myself and I get a lot of support and help Somebody that is really struggling that I think could benefit, I get into more details. I say I'm in a support group. I'd be happy to share more details on that uh, privately if you want. So. Um, thank you so much for sharing. It's almost like a three-part question for the short though. How, mm-hmm. do you, um, how did you maintain, how did you attain and maintain your body weight with the abstinence and no binging without refraining from certain foods and weighing and measuring? And two, do you weigh yourself? And three, um, how do you not feel like, well, I'm also 150 pounds, so I can, you know, eat this, and then, you know, all of that. Great question. So she wants to know basically about my physical uh, recovery. How do I um, maintain and attain the physical recovery without um, without refraining from any specific foods? Um, do I weigh myself, and how do I not just say, screw it, basically I can eat this again now that I've lost weight? Great question. Um, I do I do live within caloric boundaries. Um, I do weigh and measure my food. Anything that's not um, like a non-starchy vegetable, I don't go around like measuring out lettuce. But I do measure my protein, my fat, um, you know, and all of that, my carbs. So I do live within caloric boundaries for sure. And that's great for me. And it, measuring it, it keeps me honest because two tablespoons of salad dressing for me, if I don't measure it every time, that's going to be a bucket of salad dressing, right? I'm going to call that two tablespoons. I don't weigh and measure when I go out to eat. I just eat, choose what I want to have and try to choose something sane. I do weigh in once a month. I send that number in to my sponsor, um, and that's just enough to keep me accountable and have, like, a reality check. And I do eat some, like, sexier foods on the weekend. I just don't do it very often. I just try to, you know, thank God I can eat most things 
moderately I just don't keep certain things in the house like I broke my absence and I do have a history of relapse um, I don't keep uh, certain things in the house at all I just know better than that ice cream I do eat it but I will go out and get a scoop I will not keep it in the house you know cookies I will not keep them in the house but I will buy one at Whole Foods so I hope that helps was that my time on the question oh perfect okay
And the most important thing that stands out to me when I do the AEIOU is the U. What made me uncomfortable today? And I call it the prick that I couldn't feel with the food and the weight in the way, this prick on my psyche. Ooh, was I rude to somebody? Ooh, did I lie about something? Scratch, or did I find out that somebody I went on a date with now has a girlfriend? Oops, teeny scratch. That's all relevant. I'm an addict. So the little thing that might not bother somebody else, if I don't address it, it's going to come back at me at some point. So that was time.